let us go to the word, Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. John five thirty nine. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Amen. God is everlasting. God is everlasting. Which means he has no beginning or end. So without beginning, without a beginning or end, he is always living. So there is not a moment that he's not living. There is not a moment where he stops living, but he is always living. And he eternally enjoys the life that he has. The life that is infinitely joyful, infinitely happy, infinitely glorious. Wow. Does that sound wonderful? Just the sound of it is so wonderful. Because that is the dream that all people, all creatures have to want to have what he has. Just to have an, just to have an idea of someone who might have that. Not just be joyful for a moment, happy for a year, or happy for um, you know, 50 years and then not being happy after that. Then we no use. But God who's everlasting has infinite of such because he is everlasting. And having faith means to believe in such God. That God is everlasting. And that we long to live with such God. How many of you want to live with that God who is everlasting? Amen? It is to say God alone is uh, the everlasting God. In other words, when you, long, when you say, I want to I live with such God, such a God uh, who is everlasting, it is to say, I want to have the life that he has, which is called simply everlasting life or eternal life. To make eternal life the purpose of my life. That's what faith is. What is faith? To make eternal life the purpose of whose life? My life. So faith life is then having that purpose every single day that I live, as long as I'm alive, when I open my eyes each morning, I make eternal life the purpose of my life. Amen. And to live it, to live according to it, live for it, and, and be guided by that purpose, even if it means death, physical death. So risking all, taking it all, facing all, breaking through all, whatever may get in the way, whatever I may face, I do not give up on this purpose until I achieve it. Amen? amen? amen. Only these people say amen. Where are you? Amen. amen! As we begin this new year, we should think about what am I living for? What is this new year about? Right? For people who are young, children are young, they have no concept of time. Um, and I used to think that when I was a child, like doing Happy New Year and then flipping a calendar and then suddenly it's like a different number. Even at my age, it, which was, I, for, I forgot how old I was, maybe six or something. I remember being in my family relative's home and we, we stayed up to watch like New Year's thing. And then I was just like, what does that mean? That yesterday was this and then... Yesterday was 1900, but today's 1901. No, it was not that, but <laughs> you're going like, what year was that, Pastor? Yes, um, turn of the century. Um, 
So just the one hour, one minute difference, but suddenly you're in a new new year. So it was very abstract for me. Certainly, um, it, these are seasons and, and, and divisions of time that men have made. But really, it is God uh, who has shown through the Bible, um, giving us seasons as we see the seasons change with weather, the position of stars, and blah, blah, blah. And from the ancient times, humans have created uh, the calendar concept of, you know, um, seasons and all that so that we are, we have this sort of rhythm of life. But the, um, uh, as time passes, as we grow older, we should think more specifically about what the purpose of my life is. Um, but the irony is, even as people work very hard and people seem to be achievers and working very hard, having a goal and then achieving, attaining, and then moving on to another goal, you know, starting from birth to development, uh, going to school and then trying to get those grades and then like, you know, go through K through 12 and then, you know, they get to go to college, you know, pursue higher ed, then they apply to schools. And even after that, they go to professional graduate school, blah, blah, blah. So career obtaining this. And now there are so many certificates and license for this license for that. Anyway, so like crazy stuff. So they have all these attainments and achievements. Um, but then when you really ask them, like, what is the purpose of your life? They would often go, I don't know, to live. Some people say, well, for happiness, like for happiness. And then you ask them, are you happy? Mm, no one's really clear on that. I'm happy right now, or I want to be happy. Um, some people say, well, I want to be a, a responsible family man. You know, I'm the breadwinner and I'm the head of the household uh, to be a good man, to be a good father. And then you ask why. Then there's no answer after that. Oh, well, what do you mean why? Right? Because, just because. So people are um, sort of in this autopilot mode, like they have seen their previous generation do it, they've been told to do certain things, but they don't quite grasp the purpose, or they don't even think about the purpose. Why do you need to go to work? Well, to get my paycheck and pay off the bills. Why? To survive. Why? It sounds like a toddler asking, why, why, why? And then mommy has to because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> it works with your children and as mom, but... Um, as humans, we should really be asking this question, especially as we begin a new year. Um, as life improves uh, in 2023, 24 now, uh, we see the tremendous progress that humanity has made. Um, and there are so many ways to extend our lives, uh, extend our breath. Um, while on the one side of the globe, there's war going on and countless people are dying. But on the other side of the globe, People are fig figuring out using artificial intelligence or genetic, you know, tools and all that to what they even call immortality. Like they're really even dream dreaming of never dying. Um, so it sounds like sci-fi, but, you know, it's, they have made impre impressive technological um, uh, progress uh, to certainly extend the breath, extend the breath. So living a healthy lifestyle and really pursuing health. And if you have money, you can live a longer life, right? So healthcare and seeking ways to get healthy and stay healthy, um, there is the connection with wealth. So uh, growing wealth and growing health and success as life improves. But the irony is, uh, in this country, the United States, as, which is seen as the richest country in the world, certainly there are very poor people in this country too, which is irony too. But um, in 2023, a record number of people in the U.S. died by suicide. So the rate reached the highest level in over 80 years. So since 1941, uh, the rate has been never higher. 
Isn't that ironic? So um, in 2023, about 50,000 50, uh, people um, committed suicide. So that's about 14.3 deaths for 100,000. Um, and that was uh, 1% higher than 2021, which is the highest rate since 1941. So, um, you know, the policymakers and people say this is due to the intensity or the height, the height um, is uh, due to the post-COVID, um, you know, effects, which is uh, mental illness, uh, depression, anxiety, depression, uh, leading to suicide. But I think people also say uh, that's also connected to, uh, to drug addiction. So all of that sort of together, um, the suicide rate is um, increasing. Um, the female rate increased over, uh, over last year. However, men are four times more likely uh, to die by suicide. And, and very sadly, uh, U.S. veterans, um, as many as eight, it's, this is unbelievable. I just keep like rereading it. Like, is this true? Like 18, 18 vets uh, killed themselves in a day, which is unbelievable. 18 uh, vets. I, I just can't fathom that. But, but somewhere it says actually 20. So um, why is that that people end up um, um, dying by suicide? It's because they don't see the future. They can't get out of where they are. Like they, their life is so miserable or their mind is so miserable. Their heart is so miserable. They can't um, break out of that. They, they don't see themselves coming out of that. And having no hope, having no purpose, um, the only way out, so they think, is to uh, commit suicide. But we know, under, we understand from the Bible, spiritually, that is a, the worst deceit ever. Um, so that is um, the harsh reality and irony of the human life, especially living in this sort of comfortable, convenient, um, advanced life here tw- uh, in 2024. In 2002, uh, Rick Warren um, the pastor of the mega church, I guess he's retired as a pastor. He's not like full-time ministering now, but Saddleback Church in California wrote the best time, uh, New York Times bestseller book called The Purpose Driven Life. It's Purpose Driven Life is 2002. It was the New York Times bestseller, even unbelievers, not just for Christians, but it was the best time, uh, a New York Times bestseller on the list for 90 weeks, 90 weeks. So that's about two years, yeah, straight on. Um, and 32 million copies were sold by 2012, and 50 million copies sold in more than 85 languages by 2020. So that includes, like, the worldwide, um, and including unbelievers, not just Christians. Uh, and the first chapter starts with the title, What on Earth Am I Here For? So it's really enticing, and well-written, very well-written, and, um, you know, really thought provoking for uh, non-believers or people who want to really find out, you know, what is the purpose of this life? What is the purpose of my life? Um, so it talks about that. Certainly talks, it leads to the, um, the Bible and the Christian faith, although um, it's just a very um, general, right? It's general about God and you are here to be a child of God, to shine the light of God and, and so on. We don't know what impact it had on the people. I mean, we have not, I don't know if there's a survey of such, whether it really, really shows the true purpose of one's life. Because the only book in the world, even though that book was successful in selling and perhaps somewhat impactful to people out there, um, the only book that records the purpose of God and states it clearly throughout history is the book that you have on your lap right now. And that is the Bible. Hallelujah. The Bible is the only book that reveals the purpose of God 
And it lets believers, who are believers? Believers who believe and know God, um, the everlasting God. And when you know him, um, you can ultimately live according to that purpose, ultimately live the life that is led by that purpose. And that is the only book in the entire world that does that. And it kicks off with the statement, in the beginning, in Genesis 1-1. Hopefully you read that. (laughs) In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I got that, Pastor. Don't worry, it's so easy. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's right. That's how the Bible begins. And it, uh, for that uh, chapter, it shows in, uh, how in six days God created all things. All things according to um, their own um, kind, meaning species. Um, God commanded them to be um, from light to the universe, to the land, the seas, and, and so on. All the plants and, and, and vegetation to creatures in the sea and the sky, crawling and humans. So... All of these have purpose. Let's look at Colossians 1.16 together. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. In verse 15, he, the pronoun he there shows is Christ, the son of God. So all things were made for God. All things were made for the Son of God. Can we say that? All things were made for God, for the Son of God. Do you believe that? So when God created um, things, he said, let there be, right? So to the non-living things like the light, the universe, the planets, the stars, he said, let there be. And they all said, amen, and came to be. These are the non-living things. But then he created living things like the fish, the birds, the creatures on earth, and especially for the fish and the birds. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He gave that as command. And they said, amen. I mean, they didn't go like, they didn't go, amen. They said, like, mmm, mmm. they did whatever. So they did that. And what are they doing? They're still doing the same. You know, it's like no matter how many fish you fry and eat, how many egg, fish eggs you eat. Koreans love fish eggs. And I don't know how many eggs go into one bite of, you know, spoonful of whatever eggs. But eating it all up and just like putting the population into extinction. No, we're not. Because they're busy multiplying and, and being fruitful according to the word. Amen. Yeah. And then on day six, God created humans. And in verse 128, it says, be fruitful, multiply up to that, similar to the creatures. But he also said, fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it, as in rule over it. I give it to you, rule over that, rule over. And that uh, implies um, not only population growth and their dominance um, over other creatures, but also developing culture and civilization. So to do that, humans were given what we call persona, intelligence, emotion, and free will. So the appreciation of uh, the arts, the beauty, and the cognitive, you know, ability to make that into things and be determined to finish it. So humans have been going to this day. Do you believe that? Amen. So non-living things, living things, and humans, all of them said amen, 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 and they continue. But God, so God finished the creation of the world there. But in Genesis 2, we see something, and this is not some new creation, but it's to a man that God created, uh, one of the men who come from the humans that he made in day 6. Let's go to Genesis 2-7 and see what God did there. 2-7, Genesis. 
the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a? What did man become? Yeah, a living being. So we're not talking about living thing as in just physical. He's already that. But to such a man, God breathed his breath. For God is spirit. His breath is also spirit. And therefore, when the spirit went into the body of a man, that's not just a lump of dust, but thinking, feeling, and doing, human, uh, man is now called a living being. So man became a living being. A living being also called Adam. So this is the, um, the ancestor of all mankind today. So I trace back to Adam. Spiritually, I have the spirit of Adam. Simply, I'm Adam. Can we say together, I am Adam. I'm a living being. Now, to the living being, our ancestor Adam, who lived in the Garden of Eden, God didn't say, multiply, be fruitful, subdue the land. What did he say to him? Verse, 20, uh, verse 17. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, what? This is totally different, right? To non-living, he said, living things, let there be. To the living things, multiply. And then to humans, multiply and sub to it. But this being, the living being, in other words, a spiritual being living in the flesh. God gives a very specific and entirely different command. And that is to not eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Stepping back a little, it means to obey the word of God, not just one time, but to, to obey it, to live according to it in order for the spirit to live. So, The living being has a different purpose. God has different purpose of creating the living, making man to be a living being. All right? So God has, yes, all things are created for God, for the Son of God. But creating man to be, making man to be a living being, for man to become living being by breathing into him uh, the breath of life, it is to say, your flesh will continue, multiply, fruitful, subdue, and do all those things. And at the end of that life, Because it comes from dust, it's going to go back to dust. From dust you come, to dust you will return. But the spirit that God breathed into the man came from God. So after the flesh goes back to dust, where does the spirit go? It doesn't go back to dust. It must go back to God because it came from God. So in order for the spirit to then return to God. So what does that mean? The spirit of man, right? we call it the package soul. A soul. So the soul of man uh, was made to go where God is and live with God. Are you touched by that? We were made to not just return to dust and be buried in a cemetery and be rot and perish. But we're made to go back to God. Be with God. Live with God. Live like God. That is called eternal life. Amen? Yeah. But how do we get there? By obeying the word. You must not eat from this one tree uh, called the tree of knowledge, good and evil. If you eat of it, you will surely die. You will certainly die. I warn you. If you eat, you disobey, you can't come back. You can't come back to me. You cannot return to me. You cannot live with me. You cannot have eternal life. Unfortunately, that is exactly what he did. Even though the warning was there. Adam and Eve, the woman who came from him, also sharing the spirit, disobey the word when tempted by the serpent who said, you will not surely die, you'll be like God. So uh, Eve took the fruit, Adam took the fruit, and as a result, they were cast out from the garden because now they had sinned. And Romans 5.12 says, disobeying means sin, and sin means death to the spirit. The price of sin is death. So death means to be 
separated from God because God is the everlasting God who has everlasting life. Death cannot come anywhere near him. He has no, he knows no such thing as death. God only knows life. He only has life. So those who are in sin, meaning that now the price of sin had come to the spirit, spirit is dead, dead spirit cannot be back to God. So they were kicked out of the garden. um, And even though physically Adam and um, Eve had children and lived life and even lived hundreds of years, uh, describing the reality men through Cain, um, Cain's life and his fate in Genesis 4.14, who killed his own brother, he became a restless wanderer. And it's not just Cain, but that became the reality of all mankind. A wanderer is like someone who's lost, like don't know where they're going. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like in the mime, you know, people need the Lord, like not knowing where to go. (gasps) Yeah, that. So not knowing where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to live for. Why on earth am I here? Asking that question. That's the reality of being cut off. Uh, being in sin, dead in sin, cut off from God, and not only not knowing, but the reality of the spirit, which is that because now it had died, it can, it will not go to eternal life, but it will go to eternal death. The, the eternal fork, the spiritual fork after death, which is either to eternal life or eternal death, called hell, the price of um, sin, where the price of sin will be paid forever. But because God is everlasting, had a plan to reveal himself and show through the history of the Bible the purpose of God. He began his work by calling on one people, coming from the line of Abraham, a man named Abraham. Um, hundreds of years before the people of Israel were called to be the people of God, God spoke to Abraham, their ancestor, in Genesis 15, 13 to 15. Know that for certain years, for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. So God made this covenant with Abraham. You don't know right now, you don't even have your own child, your biological son, but you will have one through him, come with many, many, many descendants, and later on they will be living in a foreign land and be enslaved there. But they will be brought back. So that was already told as prophecy to, the, um, to Abraham as God made covenant with him. And then from Abraham came Isaac. From Isaac came Jacob. And Jacob, who was on the run to um, his uncle's home because he cheated his brother, he makes a vow to God in Genesis 28, 21, that when I, if he were to return safely to his father's household... He would give a tenth of his uh, uh, wealth and that God would be, the Lord will be his God. So according to God's covenant with Abraham, according to Jacob's vow, when it was time, God sent Moses to bring the descendants out. um, And that was already 430 years um, after that prophecy. So they were delivered from their slavery and the motive was to go to the promised land. And the promised land was thought as the father's household. Their father is Abraham, right? The people of Israel thought of Abraham as their father, ancestor, and to go back to his household. That's what they're going, they they follow Moses out of Egypt. So that becomes a direction for the people of Israel. You know how you get direction around GPS? You know, before it was Yahoo. Do you even know what Yahoo is? Anyway, Yahoo sounds like caveman sound, right? Anyway, but back in the day, Yahoo. (laughs) I was like, what's Yahoo? Anyway, wow, gosh, I feel really old. Anyway. Um, 
So the direction that you get to get to a place from uh, point A to point B, um, the direction is for them to return to the father's household, uh, and that's why they left Egypt, how they left Egypt, passed through the Red Sea, and wander in the desert for 40 years. So they wander there, um, but during the 40 years, they complain. Initially, they were like, yes, we're going to promise land where milk and honey flow. Sounds good. But the reality was dry and harsh, venomous snakes, scorpions, and there's like infighting. And they were getting tired of the same old, same old. They started complaining. Let's go back. Let's go back to the old place, our old life in Egypt, because they lost their sense of direction and they wanted to return to the past. And because of that, they were put to death. All but two survived. And then there was new generation from the desert life, the wilderness life. Only they enter the promised land. Now, in the desert, they built a sanctuary, and that was where the name of the Lord God was. Jehovah was the name, and Jehovah was the name of the God who gives life to all living things, who gives breath to all living things. So I'm going to say Jehovah, and you're going to say what kind of God? The God who gives breath, breath to all living things. Breath. You want to breathe out? Please don't breathe out. Please don't breathe out. Because our breath, like we take good air and then what do we do? We breathe out bad stuff. That's what we do. We breathe in oxygen, breathe out carbon dioxide, CO2, and too much of it. Oh, you, yeah. But the, um, the breath means there is a life for the flesh. So flesh is alive because it is um, breathing. Yeah, breathing in and breathing out. So Jehovah is the God of the life of the flesh, simply put. What, the God of which life? The spirit or the flesh? flesh? Hello, are you awake? Yeah, not interested? Not interested? You're not interested? Are you interested? Yeah, yeah. that's a good answer. All right, so it's, um, it is the God of the life of the flesh. See, I'm putting all out there. You know how our, our sermon is just like setting it out there so that we see the true life coming to fulfill to fulfill all of that that was set out in the, in the Old Testament. So the law was given, and as we read earlier on, Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Which one are you going to choose? Life. That's right. We're going to choose life. Life over death, blessings over curses. Amen. And the Lord said through... Um, uh, Moses through Joshua to choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land. Oh, life. That means to extend the breath and live long life, longevity. Because to the people of Israel, Jehovah, God was the God of the life of the flesh. You obey, you live long life. Good deal? The Old Testament, good deal. But should they... Um, uh, break the law, even though they didn't want to, unintentionally, they break commandment, and they don't want to die as a result of the, of the sin, then they were, give, they were to given, they were to bring sacrifice, an animal sacrifice to be killed in their place to make atonement. Atonement means to pay the price of sin. Let's go to Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is... The blood. Okay, only 10 people are reading all together. The, for the life of a creature is in the blood. I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is what? The blood that makes atonement for one's life. 
Okay, so we established the life of the flesh, but if they disobey the law, they were to die. But if they wanted to live, they obeyed the part of the law that said, bring an offering, uh, an, a sacrifice of animal, shed its blood, and your sins will be atoned, and you will continue to live in the promised land. So that's what the people of Israel obey, continue to obey generation after generation. However, eventually, they walked away from God, walked away from the law, and disobeyed, and they became wanderers among the nation. That's why Hosea 9.17 says they did not obey him. They became wanderers among the nations. Deuteronomy 28.25 warned them, a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth they will become. A horror. It's not like a horror movie or something that's a scary sight, but actually becoming diaspora, spread all around the whole world, not having a nation being lost. So that revealed the true reality and identity of all mankind who were sinners, who were dead in sin, but they did not realize that. Spiritually, all dead in sin, but just because they were physically alive, they didn't realize, but God wanted men to realize how lost they were. And finally, when it was time then, God sent his son in the name of the father, and that name is not Jehovah, but which name? Yeshua, John 5, 39, standing before that temple that had the name of Jehovah, the God of the life of the flesh. He said, destroy this temple in three days. Hallelujah. We say hallelujah, but they didn't say no way. (laughs) You're going to die for saying that because that was the name. That was the temple where the name of Jehovah was. He is the God of the life of the flesh, but specifically, exclusively to the people of Israel contract was made. So as long as they were in line with his covenant, uh, in, in keeping the covenant by keeping the word, the commandment, they were promised to continue to live on longevity to this day. Jewish people believe that. So they believe giving tithe and, and keeping the Sabbath that it will give them blessing of extending their life, the breath. But here's Yeshua saying that day is now over. The life that God wants to give all mankind is not to extend the breath. That was just preliminary, just a foreshadow. Here I am, the son of God coming to lay down his life. But through his resurrection, three days after his death, he will reveal that he is the everlasting God who came as man to give life, not to the flesh, but to the souls of all nations. Hallelujah. And that is to lead men, not to the land of Canaan, but to the Father's house in heaven. Hallelujah. The Father's house. This was a foreign concept to the people of Israel because they thought Father, they thought Abraham, and they thought Father's land, they thought Canaan. All physical, all earthly. But here's Yeshua saying in John 14, or we're going to look at that together as well. And keep your Bible open in John. We're going to go to John 14. You got to move quickly. Let's read verse 2. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Of course, the people at the time did not realize what that way was. And they did not um, quite understand what he meant. But he is saying, I'm going to lead you not to a piece of land where you may live or die. Or you may um, live a long life but or get sick and die. Or get attacked by enemies and die. But here I'm talking about the Father's house in heaven from where I came. I'm going to lead you there. How are you going to go there? How am I going to lead you there? How are you going to come there? He said in 14.6, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Hallelujah. Because the flesh came from flesh, no matter how many years you live, however you live, whether healthy or, or, or sickly, whether happy or unhappy, wealthy or unwealthy, it's going to go back to dust. It's going to die. God's true intent to give, it was to, is to give life not to the flesh that perishes, but to the spirit to live everlasting, everlasting life with the everlasting God. And that is in the Father's house in heaven. For the spirit of man came from God, it must return to God. And the way there is Yeshua. So that we connect to the main script, main passage that we read in John 5.39. Yeshua said to the Jewish people, especially the teachers of the law, the scribes, the, the teachers of the, you know, the scriptures, and saying, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. So if you look at the passage, there are like three key words. And you know, Pastor King says, and I said this every time we go and, and visit groups and we have newcomers. And this is what you want to jot down as you evangelize. This is what you want to do. Certainly you want to do stage one, two, three, four, five, six. But, you know, to talk about why I need, what I need to be living for. This sermon is perfect, right? So we need to think, we start with John five thirty nine. Why are you reading the Bible? Why are you studying the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible? Because it contains the word, but it is about eternal life. So the key word is eternal life. For eternal life, we're reading the Bible. You want to have eternal life? What do you need to read? And the Bible is about who? He says, they testify about? So three key words are connected. The Bible, eternal life, Yeshua. Say it, say that three times. Ready? The Bible. One more. What is eternal life? Eternal life is that perfect, everlasting life of God that he alone has. It is his exclusive character, exclusive possession. God alone has that. So his life is infinite. It doesn't end. Has no beginning, no end. His joy is infinite. It's not like, oh, I'm so happy and I'm so mad. Oh, you could be so happy and they hit by a car. Boom. Oh, man, what happened? So happy and they get news. You, you have cancer or your family member has cancer. Oh. So that joy, it just flees so quickly. Joy is lost so quickly. It's not lasting. The glory that he has is infinite. Glory of man is like something that we all want to attain, even dream of. Can't even dream of having it, but even let's say getting it. But even that just fades away so quickly. So no, no life, no joy, no glory in this world can be infinite. Because nothing is infinite in this world. But God alone is everlasting. And the life that he has does not perish, does not change, does not spoil, does not fade away. It is beautiful always and forever. Do you understand? Like when you sing those words like beautiful, wonderful. Like when you say those words, like the more you know him, the more you know yourself. And how I am not beautiful. I am not wonderful. I am just perishing by the minute. By the minute. Since the day I was born, I've been perishing. Oh, man, why do you say that, Pastor? It's a new year. It's just like party pooper, man. We should be like, yeah, let's go get it. It's a happy new year. Yeah, it is a happy new year because we got a new chance. But we also need to be splashed with, slapped with reality. Yeah, because you're older than us. That's why you're saying that. 
Trust me, I was you too. And I told you, I thought when I turn 40, you die. I really thought like you turn 40 and then boom, you're gone. Like 50, 60, what? And you ask anybody, your grandma or ask Pastor King. How did all those years go by? Like, like a dream, like a snack, like yesterday, like yesterday. So life goes by so quickly and this body is just perishing by the minute. We're losing cells, losing life all the time. But God has no such thing. He has that beautiful, perfect life that is infinite, everlasting. And not only does he have it, he wants to give it to those who want it. Do you want it? But wanting alone is not enough. Go to John 17, 3. How do we get eternal life? 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How do we get it? That they may, that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The only true God. What does that mean? The only true God. There is only one God, and there is no one like him. The only one who has that beautiful, perfect, eternal life, everlasting life, everlasting joy, everlasting glory is him alone. Amen? And he is the one who sent Yeshua as his son. Amen? So sending the son, sending Yeshua as the son, we need to believe. Because there's plenty of people out in the world who believe in God. God, 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 God. Even the Purpose Driven Life, the book, talks about God, God, God a lot. But, you know, that's what Allah is too. Billions of people believing Allah and bowing down and even blowing themselves up in extreme, you know, those extreme uh, believers or, or followers. That's God, Allah, Allah. So God alone is not going to get us eternal life, but it is to believe in the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Amen? So when you know them, them, them as the Father and the Son, and yes, there's the Holy Spirit as one, but we need to start with God the one, only one, the only true one, only true God who sent Yeshua as the son. And that Yeshua, therefore, is God. So when we believe that, we can have eternal life. That means we can go to the Father's house only through the son, Yeshua. Amen. So who is the son? How can we believe that he is God and that he came from God? We go to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the word was with him in the beginning. And that beginning is eternity, not beginning of time or creation. And where it says the word was God, the word was with God. That word, whole logos in Greek is the self-manifestation of God. It's the way that God planned to manifest himself, reveal himself in the future as in our future, but in time, one day, someday, he will manifest himself. Men did not know that, but that was part of God's plan. Who is God? He is everlasting. And that one day, he will manifest himself and come as man to reveal himself, manifest himself as the everlasting God through his death and his resurrection. Uh, He would then not only reveal, but give Give those who know him, those who believe him, that everlasting life. Hallelujah. So in verse 1-4 says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. That life in Greek is? Zoe. Hallelujah. Hey, Zoe. That is not breath, but that is the exclusive life of God. That is everlasting life that does not change, that does not perish, that does not spoil or fade away. The perfect, beautiful life of God was in him. And verse 14 says, then that word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. So that everlasting life came as man. Can you say that with me? The word became flesh. The everlasting life became flesh. Why would it, why would he do that? Why would God want to do that for everlasting life to become flesh? So that in Matthew 20, 28, he will become a ransom for many to pay the price of sin for all mankind so that they can receive his blood in the blood is what? Life and come to eternal life. Amen. Amen? That's why he became flesh, and that's why he referred to himself, John eleven twenty five. I'm the resur- I'm the life and the resurrection. And more, and, and one more passage we have to look at, which is important. John six sixty three. The Spirit gives life, and the f- the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of Spirit and life. Once again. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Read that in that passage. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. God has no interest, no intention to give life to the flesh because the flesh will perish. The flesh, will, the flesh cannot live on and on and on, even if it lives up to 600, 900 years in the past. No more now. But even if it were to go to 100 years, in the end, it will die. Nothing in this universe, in this world, can last forever. Since let there be, everything has been obeying, obeying. But one day will come when he was, he's going to say, let it end, burn it up. As 2 Peter 3, 7 says, the entire heavens and the earth are reserved for the fire. Like trash just thrown. What's the definition of trash? Stuff that rots and will rot. Yes, garbage is trash. Garbage is rotting, smelly. You don't want that. You throw it away. And this entire place is reserved for that fire to burn the trash. Certainly not just the flesh, but the spirit that is dead in sin. That was the reality of all men. But because he came, he is saying, listen, the spirit gives life. Flesh is nothing. Listen to me because my words are spirit and life. Hallelujah. So through his word, obeying his word, as he said in John 12, 50, speaking of the father's command for him, I know that his command leads to eternal life. So he himself had to obey the father's command. As he died on the cross, he said, it is finished because it's that moment he was obeying the command of the father. John 10, 17, 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. In the beginning, as the word, he was with the father. And when he was sent by the father, though there is life in him, no one can see it. Because he was just like, like, like... He was a man just like us. But only through his death and resurrection, his life will be revealed and be given to whosoever believes him. Hallelujah. So following the Father's command, obeying the Father's command, he laid down his life knowing that the Father will give him back as the result of his obedience to the command. And that is telling that he alone... In the entire history of the universe, he's the only one who knew the true purpose of life. How do we get to the purpose of life? What on earth am I here for, right? Where do I come from? Where, where did I come from? What do you mean where do you come from? You came from your mommy. 
Well, where did your mommy come from? Mommy came from her mommy and daddy. So you go back right back. People don't even think about that. I, it's just life. It's life, people say. Because they don't know the answer. That's the irony. The only one who ever lived and died in this universe came to this world and then finally rose from the dead to show that he alone knew where he came from. That is, he came from the Father in heaven, outside this universe, the trash land, the garbage, La favela, it's a favela, right? It's a place that will burn forever, uh, spirits that are dead in sin. He came from outside, which is the spiritual heaven, and he knew that after his death, his resurrection, he will leave it. So he alone achieved the purpose of his life. Do you agree? Do you believe that? Through his obedient, uh, obedience to death, he judged the disobedient one, the source of sin, the origin of sin, the devil, who became the ruler of death when he caused our ancestor Adam to sin and brought death to the spirit. But by laying down his life as an atoning sacrifice and shedding his precious blood, he gave that redeeming blood to be received, to be drank by those who believe. Once they drink his blood, they will come to life. As he said, whoever uh, eats the flesh of um, the Son of Man, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, he said in John six fifty three. So if you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you drink his blood, you will have life in you. Hallelujah. He finished it all. And just as he had prophesied in three days, he was raised back to life. Do you believe that Yeshua resurrected? And then where did he go after that? South America. And then he lived on and had a family and there's a whole tribe of people. Now, he dwelt on, on earth for some more days, but he was taken up before the hundreds of witnesses. He ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit witnessed that he sat down on the throne outside the universe in the Father's house as the King of Kings, but also as the Lamb. Amen. And Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. We call him, the, well, the, the Bible describes him as the lamb because lamb is sacrifice. And sacrifice has marks of being sacrificed. We saw a picture last night right, of the lamb that's about to be, you know, and there's a bowl of to, to collect its uh, blood. So lamb is a sacrifice that dies and it's got marks of its death. So when we see the son of man on the throne is a lamb of God who was slain. He has marks of being flogged, nailed, crucified. And through that, we know that he died. He suffered and died. But guess what? He's alive. And to never die again, he came back to life, resurrected to life. And it is from that throne. At the end of Revelation 22, 1 to 2, it says, The angels show me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great streets of the city. The city where the streets are made of gold. Where there is... No pain, no sadness, no suffering, no tears, no more sin, no more death, no more death at all because it is saturated with the beautiful, wonderful, infinite, eternal life of God. Hallelujah. If it, the history of the world ended there, we would all be like, 
But no, the good news came because was, the Holy Spirit was sent from that throne by the Father, by the Son. And to this day, just like the river flowing out, the Holy Spirit flows out as John 15, 26, the advocate, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He comes to those who believe. Those who believe are those first. They know their souls who had sinned, but by calling on the name of Yeshua, have received the redeeming blood, the life blood, the spirit blood, the spirit life, the blood of Yeshua. If you have received this blood, say amen. Amen. This is the spiritual blood of life. Have you received it? And when that blood touched, like the song that says, it it brought me back to life. It says brought me back to life. So to be really, really technical, the one that's been dead in sin is the spirit of Adam. That's still going to go to hell in the end. The whole world is still attached to. But the life that we receive that made us new creation Right? I'm a new creation. When we're baptized, we come out new creation. Bury the old and come out new creation. That new creation is made by the blood of the last Adam, Yeshua. So the new life that's in me is the blood of Yeshua, the blood of the last Adams. Amen. The last Adam is a life-giving uh, spirit that the, uh, once I was dead in sin, destined to go pay the price of sin in, in the fire of hell by his grace, I have heard the good news, the gospel of his grace, and I have called out his name and received the blood of Yeshua. And now I have received his life. I'm made alive. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes to such souls who have drank therefore. So receiving the blood is described as drinking his blood. We're, we're, we're not vampires. We're not Dracula here. Uh, and we don't believe the juice that, it is juice, you know, that it's not wine, but anyway, juice or cranberry or whatever, whatever drink that you juice, it doesn't turn into no blood. It, it's to commemorate, right? The Catholics say the bread turns into the flesh and the, oh my God, it's just a mm, flesh and then the blood. They believe in uh, transubstantiation uh, in their doctrine, but that's not what we believe. When we take the bread, when we take the cup, it is to remember that by faith, I have eaten the flesh of the son of man, which is spirit, spirit. The flesh is spirit. His flesh is spirit. His blood is spirit. So me, the spirit, by faith, have eaten the flesh and drank the blood. Say amen if this is you. And that you have received uh, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And what the Holy Spirit does then is allowing these souls to live a life with the purpose of going to the Father's house in heaven to have eternal life. What is the purpose of your life? Have you made that, have you made that as your, the purpose of your life? That's the question. Nah, I still have to do a lot of things. I gotta finish school. I gotta make a lot of money. And hopefully I get a, I meet a girl, marry and have family and, and take care of other people, blah, blah, blah. That's what the world does. People who do not know themselves as souls, who do not know the purpose of their life. Therefore, wanderers, lost. Perhaps those things we may still do, even as those who have the purpose of life. But the priority is to never forget, never compromise, never walk away. Is this purpose of life? That is eternal life. And eternal life is had in the Father's house. He said eternity in my heart. Because I was made for that. Do you understand? So when he commanded, let there be, let there be, let there be. These non-living things came. The planets came. The sun came. The moon came. Amen, amen. They're in their places, revolving and gravitating, doing their thing according to his purpose to this day. When he said to the fish and the birds, multiply, be fruitful. And they say, amen. And from then on, they lay their eggs and they're multiplying. And to this day, they're doing the same thing according to his purpose. 
And humans the same way. Certainly there is no human without spirit anymore since the flood in the time of Noah. They're multiplying and subduing. But to Adam, that it is now all mankind, not just the flesh. Now all men are living being, as in all men belong to the first Adam. We all have spirit. He is saying, my words, they are spirit, they are life. Therefore, you must follow the word in order for you to have eternal life. And what do men say? Unfortunately, not all say amen. That's why they're not here. And even in this room. Maybe you say amen and mouth it on Sunday, but come Monday, no man. I got stuff to take care of. Okay, why do you always tell me what to do? It's my life. Leave me alone. This COJ is always obey, obey, obey. Yes, obey, obey, but why? Because of eternal life. What do you live for? Why did you come to church today? For? Why do you read the Bible? Why do you go to work? <laughs> You're like, to pay the bills. I got to pay my phone bill and my rent for eternal life. Because I need a place to live. God promised that he will take care and provide daily bread for his children. That's by going to work and paying the bills. But so that I can have means to uh, serve, to give offering, and to take care of souls for my own eternal life. And to share this life and this purpose with the souls around me. So the question is not about whether my flesh is going to live one more year or that it's going to live 10 more years or 20 more years because even if the flesh gets sick and becomes uncomfortable or manageable or that even if the flesh becomes poor and financially going through hardship or even if the flesh is facing persecution, troubled because of the faith, This purpose cannot change. Even if the flesh is attacked, destroyed, because it will die anyway. There's no way for the flesh to continue to live on. God never designed it that way. Even if there is technology available to keep the body going, no one can stop the life from ending. Do you understand? And he cannot start life on its own either. There's only one who can do that. That is the creator, God, the everlasting God. And the life that he wants to give, and for the life that he wants to give, the son was sent to lay down his life. Yeshua did not die on the cross for you to live a long life. Do you understand that? He did not suffer and die on the cross to get rid of wars and unemployment or injustice. To make our lives happily ever after on earth. Instead, he laid down his life. His perfect life. According to the father's command. For him to take it up again. But in so doing. Whosoever comes to him. Comes to know him. And make eternal life the purpose of their life. And live for each and every day. Starting with receiving the spiritual blood of life. The blood of Yeshua by faith. And running for. Running towards eternal every day. They will be taken up to the father's house. To have that life with him. So to such believers, Christians, what he reminds us through the Holy Spirit is that we are not animals. We are not just human, civilized humans. We are no longer to live like animal, neither like an animal nor a civilized man, but rather live like a living being. Amen? Amen? Live 
like a soul. Amen? Say it with me. I'm a soul. I'm a living being. I shall live like a living being. I shall live for my soul. We say this all the time. At Zoe, we say it at the retreats. Amen, amen. You cry, amen, hallelujah. And turn around so a month later, a week later, hanging out with the friends and going out drinking and partying and back into animal life. Back to animal life. That's what it is. Seeking pleasures of the flesh. That's animal life. Animals have no ethics or rules or guilt. They just do whatever the flesh wants. They're in heat. They're going to find mate. They're going to do whatever they want. That's the flesh. That's the animal. Okay, I'm better than that. I'm civilized. Okay, civilized. We improve civil culture and civilization. In the end, all of that will be washed away, burnt away. So what am I living for? What am I living for is finding who I am. Who I am. So live as a living being is the message and reminder. Live with purpose. In the past without knowing Yeshua, without knowing that I was a soul, that I live without purpose. Being lost, a wanderer, frustrated, wanting to have things but can't, want to achieve but failing, and being discouraged and feeling emptied and depressed and dis despaired and even thinking about entertaining the thought of suicide many many people here have shared that but that's the past but now i have met yeshua i i have come to know the only true god and the son whom whom he sent and by knowing believing i have received the life in my soul now i understand the purpose of my life is eternal life So therefore, I ought to be content, happy, no matter what happens around me. This joy, this happiness, no one can take away. Even if my environment is changing, even if my breath is taken away from my flesh, I shall not lose this joy, this happiness, because that is in the purpose of my life that is about eternal life. So to such children of God, Yeshua said, therefore I tell you, Matthew 6, 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any of you be by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. These are the words of our heavenly Father, who is the everlasting God, who laid down his precious life when he came to the world and that is the reason of the incarnation of the word he came to lay down his life that's why he came as man that's why the word became flesh and that was through his death reveal his precious life 
And if we know him and we have believed him, we have made eternal life that is promised to us, the purpose of our life, my life, then the day, each and every day I live, it must be for that. And while I'm living, I ought to not worry about my breath, my body, or, or anything that is regarding this, this world. Worrying about your family, about your future, all of these things are what the world does. And that is perhaps better than living like an animal. Perhaps that's more like a civilized man thing. But even that is not a living being thing. Living as a living being, living soul is to say, I'm a soul, therefore I need to make eternal life the purpose of my life and the purpose of the life of my loved ones. Amen? Yeshua had nothing while he lived on earth, but he did not worry about what to eat and what to wear. Because he knew where he came from, that is he came from the Father. And he knows that the Father, who is the everlasting Father, who created all things, who feeds the birds and clothes the flowers... Would he not take care of the children that he will bear in his own blood? So why do you worry? Why do you worry and why do you get distracted? Why do you get tempted? Why, do you, why are you happy one day and glum next day? It's like up and down, up and down, like weather, up and down, up and down. What do they look like? Oh, they lost job. What happens? Oh, they're... Do not worry about your life or your bodies. All are here one day and gone tomorrow. Like the grass of the field. Like the grass of the field. You think you're very young and healthy and your life is forever, but it's not. It is not. This body is so, so fragile. So fragile. This body, we're, we have come to witness that. Just dependent on this, you know how hard, small your heart is? Fist size. Entire body is depending on this thing. And something goes here, the body goes. So all the worries and all the stress. Ah, leave me alone, Pastor, COJ, regional group. Stop texting me. Stop bugging me. Why do you tell me I can't get that job and I can't move to this place? I can't date this girl, blah, blah, blah. All that complaining. All about the flesh. All about the flesh. All about the feelings that is attached to the flesh. What question is, how does this connect to eternal life? How does, how does this job, my decision to take this job, my decision to move or not move, my decision to get into this relationship or not, or commit to this thing or not, connect to the purpose of my life? Is it going to get me to attain the purpose of my life? That's the question. If you live as though, just as the Bible describes the days of Noah, people are getting married off and, and going about their days and doing business and this and this and that, it's life and death, you know? I was in the hospital like trying to get into go visit Anna. It's just like trying to whatever. And then next we were just like, you know, praying and antsy. And there's the person in the wheelchair, this woman. And they were like, oh, congratulations. You had a baby. So in one house of general hospital, you know, one wing, there's new life coming. And one wing, people are in the critical care. You know, ICU. That's what life is. Life is just going about. So that's what the world does. So that is to happen for the flesh. So if you're focused on only that, you're living like animal, maybe not, maybe a little better than animal, a civilized man, but not as a living being. The life that God, who is the everlasting God, who has the perfect infinite life, the life that he wants to give is not to extend my breath for another year or even a decade. Perhaps the purpose that I have to live another, the reason that I need to live for the flesh is for the salvation, eternal life. Amen? So the, it's switched. The reason why I need to eat and go to work, it is for me to work 
have means to support myself so that I can serve and work for to, to achieve that purpose. Do you understand? Then you know how to make decisions about with, what, where to go and what, where not to go. Who, to be with who and not to be with. That's why when you, when you lose the sight and you, you lose the focus, you become wandering lost again. A dog returns its own vomit. We cannot do that anymore. It does not mean certainly that we'd have no worries anymore. Where it says do not worry. We have worries now. Especially as pastors, we have worries. Not for our own. Pastor Kang said after meeting Yeshua like about 40 years ago, she stopped worrying about what to and what to wear. But even the times of like construction and church challenges, she was praying every day and was not a worry to her. God will take care. But the worry that continues on and agonizes us as Paul's concern, the apostle Paul's concern for the churches that he, he founded and he supported through his prayer was for the souls given to us to continue on so that all arrive in the Father's house to have eternal life. That's why Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 4, 10 to 11, we always carry on our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Yeshua's life was revealed only after he died. Only the, after the cross, through his death, his life was spilled out and revealed. And in the same way, only through my death, as in denying myself, taking up the cross, the flesh wants to do things and be there, be with these people and do these things. I need to deny that if I want the life of Yeshua to be revealed through my life. Amen? Amen. Have you found the purpose of your life? Have you made eternal life as the purpose of your life? Say amen. Amen. You still know, man, that you don't need to come. You don't need to come. You don't need to sit here if that's not your purpose. You need to go home. You're not making anybody happy. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Because you know, yes, time flies. And you have no guarantee that you'll have tomorrow. I tell you that. And we don't leave this world in the order we came either. Yeah. So don't waste your time. If you want eternal life to be personal with your life and you say, I, my faith is so little, I still need help. Yeah, keep coming. Keep coming. Then you will gain the strength and in the community and the support of the church, you will press on. You will continue on. Amen. So you need to open your eyes and the job that we have now, the mission is to be sent out, to go out carrying Christ's body, the death of Yeshua in my body, the, the death that was done to him. So I bring that on, the suffering on the, uh, to myself, to my life, seeking the lost souls out there, souls who are lost without purpose. I need to go out there and teach them. You have the purpose of your life. You have a reason to live. Pastor King shared this um, story that uh, her old pastor in Korea, when he was a young um, pastor starting up and he experienced miraculous things in his life and he himself performed many signs. But when he was beginning church, it was so difficult. People were troubling. He was heartbroken. So he just wanted to give up. So some from nowhere came like this idea to jump off a bridge, literally. I say those things and I have to repent. But I, you know, I just say like, I want to jump off a bridge, but then I have to repent. But he literally was going to jump off a bridge. So he went to a bridge to jump off. Um, and then he saw another person there already about to jump off. It was a young man, younger than him. So he forgot why he got there. His mode changed. He said, hey, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm about to jump off. Why? Are you, 
I know this is not, this is a wonderful life in, in the movie scene, but it's real life. This happened in real life. So he talked to the young men. Well, why are you doing that? Like, I don't have meaning to live anymore. There's no purpose. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? You can't do that. If you do that, you go to hell. Do you believe in hell? Your soul. Your soul. And for your soul, Jesus died. All you have to do is believe and receive and you'll have meaning in your life, purpose in your life, purpose of your life. You need to receive this so that you don't go to hell but go to heaven. So he's preaching, preaching, and the guy went, he's moving away from the edge. Okay, I believe. And this pastor was like, okay then. And then he went home. Because he he went there to jump off because he was so disheartened and as he was preaching the word of life. All that thought of giving up and, 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 and suicide left because he was full of the life of the word of God. Hallelujah. So one, I need to preach to save other souls, but I need to do it for my soul. Amen. So when I'm discouraged, yes, every day I'm living to pray and worry and try. But once having this purpose of my life, I need to keep speaking, speaking these words of life to one more soul out there so that they too can be found. And found as in found, finding the purpose of their life so that they are on track to the Father's house in heaven with us. Amen. So the question that you should ask is, Am I living my life right now as a living being or like an animal? Or a civilized man that you think is better than an animal? If I have received the grace of God, the spiritual blood of of God into the spirit inside of this flesh that is perishing, Whatever happens and whatever trouble, whatever temptation may come in the flesh, I am not shaken. I am not challenged, but I press on keeping my eyes focused on the prize. And that is to go to the father's house and live with God, live with my God, my Lord, our God, our father, our redeemer, Yeshua. And nothing will pull me away from that. Nothing will challenge me. Nothing will change that purpose. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Close our eyes. If you believe that there is God and that he is this everlasting God. The life that he so wanted to give to you and me, all of us here and the entire mankind is the life into the soul. The life for the soul. As we begin this new year, there may be many, many things on your list to do want all of that tossed aside what must be attained every single day striving for is this purpose eternal life let's lift up our hands open up our fists in surrender I surrender everything before you before this purpose I lift I am willing to let go of everything but never lose this purpose that's eternal life let me press on let me strive